You're listening to a sermon podcast from Paramount Church in Columbus, Ohio. To learn more, visit ParamountColumbus.com. Thank you guys for leading us in song and worship this morning. Man, that is our prayer. Make my heart believe. Jesus is better. Hopefully we'll get some encouragement on that today. Pray for Pastor Rush as he's out of town. We'll be heading back today or tomorrow. Today, that's what I thought. Um, Been out of town, and so pray for his safe return for the Bartons. Um, as they've had sick ones, but they were scheduled to be out of town, so pray for those. And then we've got others that are dealing with sickness and out of town, so just remember one another, pray for one another, and just make sure as we're in community groups that just uh, we know that, we know where people are, and that we are not missing out on maybe something that's happening with folks um, that we need to help or minister to. And so um, just pray for those folks. Let me pray for us, and then we'll begin our study of scripture this morning. Father, thank you once again for your word. What a precious, precious treasure it is to us, the word of God. May it just work its way into our heart by the power of your spirit this morning. Your work will be done. Your spirit will be accomplished in each person. And I pray that our hearts will be yes to you. Help us as we look at your word, and I pray that as we are convicted or we are challenged, that we are encouraged uh, by your grace today, by your great love for us that has been demonstrated. Even the things we know, may we see in in, in being reminded of something that we already know, that it would be strengthened in us, that it would grow within us to give us great affections for you. God, we just commit this time to you. Thank you for this place that you've given to us, for this call that we have for this community. I pray that your Holy Spirit would fall on this place, that as the gospel goes forth, that people would be saved and be drawn to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We are in Amos. We have been in Amos. I made the statement this morning and saying, yes, we have. It's been a a challenge Uh, a conviction of sin that has been going on. We're in Amos chapter 9, verses 5 through 10. I will read, starting at at verse 1, just to bring all that back in, as Pastor Isaac preached on verses 1 through 4 last week, and then we will have our final message next Sunday in the book of Amos with the good news and the great promise. So this morning we are titling our message fight sin and find rest fight sin and find rest just a little review a month ago rush was uh, in chapter seven made some statements about sin brings earns deserves god's serious judgment we looked at the depth and the seriousness of god's judgment of sin made a statement says point being that it would set off an alarm in our hearts to take sin seriously 
in the last four weeks, have you grown? Have you worked at taking sin seriously? There's a danger that we come in and we hear and we leave and we don't apply. That's why we have community groups to help in that as we encourage one another to apply those things to our lives as God uses those things to sanctify us. Last week, Pastor Isaac, sin and its consequences are pervasive. I see that in biblical counseling, just in counseling with folks. We think sin only affects us. We think we can be angry at something and it not affect the rest of our lives. It's not possible. Sin is pervasive. He talked about total depravity and how it touches everything. And then God's judgment. He talked about the sin and God judging the northern kingdoms in such a way and judging this sin and the sin being so serious that he wiped them off of the face of the earth and they're never to be seen again. Sin's a big deal. The Bible says it's a big deal. It pervades everything. Amos chapter 9, verse 1 says, I saw the Lord standing beside the altar, and he said, Smite the capitals so that the thresholds will shake and break them on the heads of them all. Then I will slay the rest of them with the sword. They will not have a fugitive who will flee or a refuge who will escape. Though they dig into Sheol, from there will my hand take them, and though they ascend to heaven, from there I will bring them down. Though they hide on the summit of Mount Carmel, I will search them out and take them from there. And though they conceal themselves from my sight on the floor of the sea, from there I will command the serpent, and it will bite them. And though they go into captivity before their enemies, from there I will command the sword that, they, that it slay them. And I will set my eyes against them for evil and not for good. The Lord God of hosts, the one who touches the land so that it melts, and all those who dwell in it mourn, and all of it rises up like the Nile and subsides like the Nile of Egypt. The one who builds his upper chambers in the heavens and has founded his vaulted dome over the earth, he who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the face of the earth, the Lord is his name. Judgment has come. Point number one being God's suffering comes to God's long suffering comes to an end. If you go back just the chapter before in chapter eight, the very same statements were being made. Judgment day has come. Amos before had been receiving like uh, comparisons, like God said, "Hey, this is going to be like a lion that roars." There's going to be locusts that will come, and this was what's going to take place. In chapter 8, he talks about the fruit bowl, and he explains this. This time, what happens? The Lord, he says, I see the Lord standing at the altar. There's no more warnings. There's no more comparisons. There's no more illustrations. There's no more pleading to say, turn. This is it. I will come, and there's no place that you can hide. Mike asked me, there was a song we'll sing after this, and he asked me, he said, uh, what do you think the mood's going to be like when you finish your message? 
would be like really convicting or heavy or, you know, and I said, well, is that just the way that I always am? Um, I said, I hope it's convicting and yet encouraging. This is, the Lord has come and he is going to wipe these people out. There's no more comparisons. He sees the Lord standing and then the Lord says, and if you read through this passage of scripture, you will see over and over again, he says, I will, I will, I command, I declare, I am, I will, and I will. Over and over. And you see God's sovereignty in this. Um, Pastor Isaac talked last week. We can look at God's sovereignty and it can bring great fear. In judgment, there's nowhere you can go. There's nowhere. You can't hide from this. We're getting ready to go into the book of Revelations. You're going to see at some point, man, things are going to be going off in the earth and men are going to wish that they could die. They could hide from the things that are falling and it can't be done. God is in control. So much in control and so much in all of his power. When you look at this, the seriousness of sin that God has moved, that he's coming and it's like, and will control the very sword. Even if you go captive, then I'll control the sword to kill you. Serious. Serious judgment. We started off reading the Old Testament. We have fallen off the wagon for me and my wife. If you do that, you know what that's like. However, when we were reading through the Old Testament, it's just like over and over and over there's this warning, and the people keep doing the same thing. And you sit there and go, why would you do this? And then there's also the part when you go through the Old Testament, you see this, God wipes things out. And yet we don't experience that. Why? Why doesn't God wipe us out? We're under grace. Right? We're under grace because of what Christ has done. God has poured out his wrath on Christ. So if we are in Christ, we are under grace. We're forgiven. And even as we are all still in sin and will be until he comes and takes us home and totally glorifies us, we will fight sin. There's part of, I wonder if God came and wiped people out. Will we take sin more seriously? Or why is it that we don't take sin seriously? Because it's just so easy to to claim grace. Are we not doubly accountable? Because we are under grace. And we do know what Christ has done. Paul writes in Romans, the people get it mixed up and say, oh, grace, grace is so good. We'll just continue in sin. The grace will abound. And his response is, God forbid. 
No. No. That's not who we are. We've also been given the Spirit that lives within each one of us so that we don't have to sin. We will never reach sinless perfection, but we have the ability to fight the sin by the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, as you quoted this morning. It's costly grace. You look at the cross, you look at the blood that was shed, the wrath that was poured out. It's costly. It's costly. We talked about it in ABF this morning. The difference. How much of the gospel do you have to share for somebody to come to Christ? But yet you want them to know, hey, it's just not about heaven. There is wrath. There's God's wrath that is on you. That it is to come. This week, we've been at this book for months. Just going back to chapter 7 and listening to Pastor Rush and in preaching. We'll take sin seriously. Just because it's so easy to go and to repent to God and ask for forgiveness and grace is given. Take sin seriously. It was a high, high price that was paid. Spend time this week asking God, show you. And yet knowing there is forgiveness from this. But he still takes it very serious. Spend time this week working through that. And other things that will be in this message. Pray for those who still face God's wrath. There is wrath still to come for those who are outside of Christ. Point number two is beware of the religious cloak. Verses 7 and 8. Are you not as the sons of Ethiopia to me, O sons of Israel, declares the Lord? Have I not brought up Israel from the land of Egypt and the Philistines from Kaftor and the Arameans from Kerr? Behold, the eyes of the Lord God are on the sinful kingdom and I will destroy it from the face of the earth. Nevertheless, I will not totally destroy the house of Jacob, declares the Lord as you know, and as we have already learned, as we've gone through this, these, these part of the nation of Israel are living in such a way that it's like, oh, no, 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 we're descendants of Abraham, so we're, we're, we're in, we're good. They're living in such ways where their sacrifices are sinful. Their worship is not acceptable. Their treatment to other nations, how did we hear how their treatment was to the poor? They are using false weights to gain extra money as they're buying and selling. They were longing to get at it when it got stopped for a period of time to go back and and to, to gain these things. And then to live in this way to think God's accepting this. And God says, no, 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 no. 
No. They think there's some privilege that they have. And God said, no, no, no. I brought you up out of the land of Egypt. I'm the one who saved you. And I also am the one who has brought these others up. And now, the way that you're living, you appear just like all the rest. You don't stand out as my children. And yet you think you're acceptable. When you get down to verse 10, it talks about, oh, this calamity will not bother us. This, this destruction is not going to come from us. They're so deceived. They have this religious cloak that they have on, and they are extremely far from God, so much so he's going to destroy them. Behold, the eyes of the Lord God are on the sinful kingdom, and I will destroy it from the face of the earth. There is still a judgment day coming. There is a judgment day coming when all will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Wrath will be poured out. And this one will be final. What are you trusting in? What are you trusting in to save you from God's wrath? You born into a Christian family? I live life pretty good. I treat others well. I'm a whole lot better than most of the other people that I look at. I haven't committed that great sin. I haven't killed anybody physically. I may have thought about it. Oh, I've always been a Christian. I'll never forget the first time I heard that from somebody. I'm like, no, you have not. How in the world? No. We're talking in ABF this morning about the gospel. What is necessary to come to the gospel? Come to Jesus. Did I pray a prayer? Did I walk aloud? Was I baptized? Was I baptized as a baby? And yet there's no change in your life? I show up on Sundays. I sing with everybody else. And I leave and I have no heart affections for God. You better work out your salvation with fear and trembling. None of us ever want to cause anybody to doubt their salvation. But I would rather you doubt it here and now than later and find out that you were not saved. It's not to make it difficult. It's believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. There is a high calling for this grace. It costs God everything. It costs him his own son. Or have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? That is the only way. Jesus is the only way that you will avoid the wrath of God because God has poured his wrath out on Christ and on the cross. The cross, the shed blood, 
the empty grave. Do not leave the resurrection out as we talked about sharing the gospel. That is the difference in every religion that's out there. We have a Savior who is alive. He did, as we sang, He walked out the grave. He is alive. He actually sits. He's on the throne right next to the Father. He's interceding for each one of you today, always, working day and night. I would hope that, the, that seeing the wrath that is poured out that causes us to go, man, I'm so glad God doesn't do that now because he would wipe us out. He would wipe me out if it wasn't for what Christ has done. I hope you get a better glimpse this morning or a fresh glimpse or just a great reminder of what happened on the cross when God poured out his wrath on his son. That all-powerful, no escape. He knew what he was facing when he was in the garden. He has seen God's wrath. He knew of God's wrath. And that's just a, a portion of what was coming. Paying for all those sins that had been covered over from the sacrifices had to be paid for had to be dealt with. Those sacrifices were not enough. It was just a covering until God made the ultimate payment and the blood was shed so that it could be forgiven. There's no other way. And then for all of us and for all the sin that is going to continue on, oh, I pray that the cross would explode in your mind and in your heart. Take sin seriously. What are you trusting in? If you have a religious cloak, shed it. Come to Jesus. Put your faith and trust in Christ and the work that was done on the cross and confess your sins and come to Jesus and God will save you and he will take this horrible wrath that will come and end in destruction in payment, in living in hell for all eternity and make you a child of God who will live forever in fellowship with God, who loves you. Oh, how he loves us. What are you trusting in? Trust in Jesus. Make him your Lord and Savior. As we were praying for those who are in judgment from the first point application, those you are praying for, put feet to your prayers. Those who already came for ABF, let me encourage you, if you're a member here, that's an expectation just like it is an expectation to be able to serve and teach our children the things of the Lord. We come in there, why? Because we are trying to sharpen ourselves and make us better instruments in the hand of the Redeemer. Learning, growing, being sanctified, sharing the gospel. You got challenge in there? I already told them, hey, it's coming in the message too. Share the gospel this week. And it's getting harder. 
Now we work from home. You don't even leave the house. How am I going to go share the gospel with somebody? Because I'm going to put it on my calendar and I'm going to set some time and I'm going to leave my house and I'm going to go find somebody. And just like it was suggested this morning, Josh said a long time, from, a long time ago from another message, hey, my pastor told me he encouraged me to share the gospel with somebody this week, so that's why I'm stopping you and I'm asking you, do you know Jesus Christ? Has anybody ever shared Jesus with you? Whatever your lead in is, whatever you do to start that spiritual conversation, and move it towards the gospel. Do that. People have the wrath of God. We've looked at this for months. And it doesn't move us. If we could get two seconds glimpse into hell this morning, my soul. You know what's even greater than that? You can just really grasp for one second, the great love that God has for you and for those who will die without Him, we are to be fishers as a men. Share the gospel this week. Have the glorious privilege be able to tell somebody else about Jesus no matter what they do no matter what remarks they make what they say whether they attack whether they end up in tears they need Jesus it's the greatest need they have they got a lot of needs but their greatest one boy they need Jesus big time point three Verses 9 and 10. Sinners shaken in the sieve. I watch, you can go on YouTube and see a video of, I started to show it this morning, of people still in countries that are still very primitive and how they take this and they beat it with sticks. And they knock all this grain loose and then dig it up and then they put it in this sieve and they sit there and shake it and I'm looking at them and it's like it's very back breaking that's one of the first things I noticed I mean the way that they beat this stuff with sticks to get it to this point and then put it in a sieve and then they shake it and they're just squatting in their knees and they're always bent over and I'm thinking dude I'd die I couldn't do this the next day if I made it through the first day and then there was one that was a little more up to date in how it's shaken and then it's tossed and they toss it and then they catch it And there's one that's a little more up to date, and the guy's using a box fan. And in slow motion, as they toss it, just kind of blows the chaff away. It's very interesting. God here is taking, and he says, the sinners. For behold, I am commanding, and I will shake the house of Israel among all nations as grain is shaken in a sieve. But not a kernel will fall to the ground. All the sinners of my people will die by the sword. Those who say the calamity will not overtake or confront us. There are those that are being shaken, that are sinners, that don't know Christ. As you see in Amos, they think they've got their religious things that they are doing and that is acceptable to God, and he's saying it is not. 
and I'm going to shake you, and I'm going to wipe you out. And they're, and, they're, and they're confident to the point that's like, oh, no, no, I'm good. You can find that today, right? God's love. Some people say, I don't want a God who's going to bring justice and send people to hell. How can you, how can you love a God like that? They think they're fine. And then there are some sinners that stay in the yoke. There are in this group of people, there's a remnant that God has. There is a part of Israel that is truly Israel. There is a part of Israel that's not. But then there's that part in they, they are concerned and they fight because of all this that's going on and they know that it's not right, but I'm still trying to do the things of the Lord. I'm trying to stay in and to be a follower of Christ. They're trying to stay near the plumb line that he talked about and they know this is hard because these people are th- doing things that are contrary Yet we're trying to worship God with all of our heart and all of our soul. And yet I also see that I'm a sinner. Can you relate? There's this fight. They're concerned about their remaining sin. And they're trying to live in the grace of God and to bring him glory. That's what we do. We all walk in here and we struggle with sin. We long for it to be serious to us. And yet somehow it just keeps going on and it just softens. God says, man, I'm going to shake them. And they're both shaking together. Don't be alarmed when God shakes his church. And those of us who are in Christ and are fighting the fight and you wonder, why are you doing this? Because he's getting rid of the chaff. He'll get rid of those who aren't in Jesus or he'll shake them to where they will come to Jesus. God actually gives us great commands to say, hey, don't, don't you worry about digging up the roots. I'll take care of that. There's chaff in here, maybe. It's not for us as pastors to go root that out. Leave that to the Lord. Why? Because he's much better and he can pull the roots out without damaging everyone else. God's shaking them, shaking both. Rush made the statement here just a couple weeks ago. He says, I believe God's sifting this church. So I'm getting ready. Nothing was made about it in some of the points, and I'm thinking community groups come and going, somebody's going to ask me, you're going, what's he think he's, what is he, what's going on in our church? Why does he think God's shaking our church? He quickly reminded me, he goes, let's get it in context. He says, what I said was over the last several decades, I took it like, hmm, what, what, do you, what do you see that I don't see? What, what, what's God shaking here? What's going on? Over the last several decades, God's continued to shake his church. All it's taken is a mask to cause people to separate, to be divided. What's the difference? 
What's the difference? For those in Jesus, we fight a good fight. This is where Rush seems to have a better grasp on this or at least a better way to communicate it than I do. He's very much a grace man. Very much. To the point I look at him every once in a while and say, but you still got to go do something. We war a good warfare. Those who remain, those who stay close to the plumb line, those who seek God, even though they struggle with sin and with the challenges and the turmoil and the, and the problems that come and persecution that comes, start sharing the gospel, expect some persecution. Don't let it surprise you. But it is grace. It's a battle of grace is what it is. One man put it this way. Grace is not just the gift of forgiveness and restfulness, but grace is the power of God to enable us to work for holiness. The war is not just for us to kill the sin, to have victory over the sin. That is part of it. But the ultimate battle is for the affections of my heart. Fighting that sin is because that is impacting the affections that I have for God. Why? Because I love my sin more than I do Jesus. And grace is the power that God has given to us to fight that fight. So yes, we go do something, but it is in grace. Rush said before, he says, taking the scripture, working it into our hearts. That stuck with me. We have a lady in our community group, memorizes scripture a lot and has for a long time. And I even ask her, has that worked into your heart? How does that happen? It's not just here. I can quote it. I can read it back to you. You can quote scripture to me. But has it worked itself into the heart so that I use that to drive me to my affections and my love for Jesus? Fighting sin, loving Jesus, that's the battle. It's not for a better life. It's not so that I'll finally have victory over the lust of my eyes. That's part of it. But it's for the affections and it's for the love of Jesus. The grace warfare is what I call it. Grace warriors. for a greater love for Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15.10 Paul says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace towards me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them. Wish Rush was here. This is my tension. 
It's work. You got to do something. You got to get up. He challenged you. Hey, get up in the morning. Spend 25 minutes here, 10 minutes there. And I'm like, seriously? How strong are you going to be with 30 minutes a day? But yes, that's what we do. By the grace of God that he gives to us to fight that fight. It's in grace. Paul's sitting here saying, I'm working. I labored more than all of them. Who do we esteem in the, in the New Testament? Paul, is he, not the, is he not the man apart from Jesus Christ? For the normal rest of us, we've gone, golly, Paul. Yeah, I'm going to be like Paul. Good. Labor harder than all of them by the grace of God. Through the grace of God that is with me. By grace, we're killing sin. But you say, Kevin, hey, we just came out of one of the best books that I've read in a long time, and we went through it as a study in here, and gentle and lowly. Gentle and lowly. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Really? So which is it? Are we waging war? Are we in rest? Are we fighting a battle? Or are we in ease? Yes. Yes. It's both. It's both. There's a movie that we watched years ago. Love this movie. True. About a young man had some learning disabilities. Push the shopping cart around, carry radio with him, everywhere he goes. An old radio had a dial on it, you know, a little box. Coach saw him one day. Football went over the fence. He grabs the football, loves football, wouldn't give it back. So he let him have it. So he starts to, to welcome this kid in. They call his name, you call him radio. Hey, radio. I started calling my dog radio. Why? Because there's this scene where they go into the restaurant and he's sitting there in a diner and radio and the coach are eating lunch and he's finishing. And so the girl comes out and says, you want dessert? He goes, radio, you want some pie? He goes, yeah. He goes, what do you have? He goes, I got apple and blueberry. He goes, I want both. I got a dog that was like that. He wants both. It's both. It's both. Grace warriors, we are like Paul. We fight with every labor by the grace of God. We fight sin. The way we kill sin, I've got two statements here. Fight sin and find rest. The first statement, find sin. The way we kill sin, the way we successfully strive and work to put sin to death. We work at it. We fight at it. We put it to death. It's by doing whatever it takes to be more happy in Jesus 
more restful in Jesus, more content and satisfied in Jesus than in my sin. Isn't that astounding? I, I love my sin more than Jesus. That's why I pray the, 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 the cross would explode again for you this morning. We find rest so that all our striving and all our working, all our fighting, all our waging war by grace, as we do that by grace, it's our effort and God gives us this grace that is the power of God to do this in us. Our striving and working and fighting to rest, to be content, to be satisfied, to be happy in Jesus. The grace battle is for the affections of my heart, for my love affair with Jesus. Four weeks ago, Pastor Rush asked us to meditate on three passages of Scripture. One of those really stuck with me in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, Paul has just had an experience that no other man, as best we know, has ever had, taken to see things that the Lord said, you can't talk about this. And so to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh. I remember the Sunday Rush read this and how it hit me. And I'm going, I know this, but it hit me. These statements right here, he says, that he gave me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Here's a man that's walking with God, making every effort, experiencing this grace, someone that we long to be like, along with ultimately being like Christ, not to exalt Paul, but we do see his life and are challenged by his life. And here God sends a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that you might leave me. And he said to me, what? What? You know this. You know this. My grace is sufficient. For the war. He's being tormented. My grace, grace for the battle. It'll be sufficient. It's all you need. For the power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He's not content in persecutions. He does not love persecutions. He doesn't love all the things that he experiences. His contentment is through those things by the grace of God in his life, in his love for Jesus so that Jesus is exalted in me. Bring him on. Bring him on. Grace. <laughs> when they come, grace. God's grace for me to fight 
to fight against the sin, to fight against those persecutions and knowing, man, I am content. God, my fellowship with God, my love for God, my love for Christ, and that people will see the power of Christ in me, bring it, bring it. Meditate on that. Philippians 3, 7 through 11, but whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and I may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ's righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Seriousness, sin. Hate sin. Kill it. And replace it with love for Jesus. I meet with a lot of folks. And I have some of them get really frustrated that the same sin comes over and over and over. There's a good book about die hard sins. I think some guy wrote that. You, you, you might read that. It's a really good book. Really simple. Hate it. Kill it. And that's not enough. It's all for the purpose of what? Replace it so that I can love Jesus with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. That this would take my affections away. The lust in comparison to Christ. Hate it. Kill it. Replace it. We read earlier Romans 5, 1 through 11. Therefore, having been justified by faith, I have peace with God. That peace should explode in your life when we see the seriousness of sin and the wrath of God that I deserved. And I see what Christ has done for me. That peace should absolutely explode for me. That's what Christ has given me. I am no longer at war with somebody I cannot run from, hide from, know where I can go, no way to avoid it. And he has made me have peace with that God. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. through whom we also have obtained an introduction to by faith into this grace, this grace in which we stand, in which we battle. And we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that our tribulation brings perseverance. Perseverance, proven character, proven character, hope. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. 
For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. But God. There's a tattoo on my arm. Set my father-in-law sideways. You shouldn't get tattooed. It's Greek. It's but God. I sat in banks working here for years when we landed here. People say, what is that? <laughs> it's the best transition in the Bible. It takes place and it says, but God. And while he demonstrated his love for you, while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. Has anybody ever told you that? Much more than having been now justified by his blood. Without the blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. It's not happening. There was a song we used to sing. It had a line in there. It's Christ spilt his blood at the cross. I had a pastor one time, and he would sit on the platform when that song, and I would watch him. He would go, after about the third time I saw him do that over a course of months, because we didn't sing that song over and over and over, I went up to him after the message, and I said, so we sing this song. You get to this line, and you just drop your head and say no. He goes, I don't know whether this is totally correct, but he says, spilt has a connotation that it was an accident. It's no accident. He freely shed his blood. It was the only way that we could be forgiven and we could be made whiter than snow. It was for him to shed his blood. I pray that you will be challenged, that you would be encouraged to be a grace warrior. To love God, to love Jesus Christ more. Fight, sin, serious, kill it. So that we can have the greatest affections for Jesus Christ this side of heaven. We love Jesus with all of our heart. Everything else will take care of itself. Fight a good fight. Be like Paul. Man, I'm going to make every effort. Oh, but by God's grace that is with me. You love Jesus today? I would say, yeah. Yeah. We would, hopefully, if you're in Christ, you would say yes. More than ever. More than ever. Oh, grow in your love for Jesus. And don't let another message come a month from now and say, hey, have you grown in your love for Jesus? And nothing happened. And nothing happened. Set your heart. Do the things. Kill the sin. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to find your happiness and your contentment in Jesus Christ. And work at it. Grab somebody to help you. Hey, you want to go and grow in Jesus together? Let's work at it together. There's no greater thing you can do, no greater thing I can do to get him to love Jesus with all of his heart.
It ain't about basketball. It ain't about the college that you go to. Those are all good things, college that you go to. Loving Jesus while you're at that college, gaining everything for Christ. So I live for Christ and my contentment will be in Christ, whether I'm at this college, that college, this job, that job, making this money, not making this money, living here, whatever. Set your heart to love Jesus Christ with everything that you have. If you don't know Jesus as Savior and Lord, come to Jesus today. Today. Oh, he has demonstrated his love for you. If you need to know more about the gospel, grab anybody in here. If, there's, if they, they waver, bring and grab somebody else. Do it all three of you. We'll tell you about Jesus. Tell you more about this great gospel. We're still trying to learn because that's what we were doing in ABF this morning. But we'll get you the truth, won't we, Mike? Grab Mike. He'll get you the truth. Are you a grace warrior? Set your heart today. Make the changes that are necessary. Yoke up with Jesus. Make Jesus the greatest love of your life. The highest treasure. We'll sell everything to go purchase the field with the treasure. Get in the battle. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. And we see how it costs you everything. But you gave your only son, who was perfect, to die for wretched sinners, enemies, people who hate you, living our lives for ourselves and our pleasures, wanting nothing to do with you, and yet you come and you... Send people to give us the gospel and open our eyes and give us a new heart. Birth us into your family. Give us your spirit and your grace and the power to live and to love you. Help us as we grow in that, as we were singing before, make my heart believe. Oh, I want to believe. I believe. Just we're weak. Teach us, show us, help us. It's a process as we learn and we walk in this grace. Gosh, you're so right. It is grace, but it is the power of God. We long to love you. We long to be used by you. We do. We long to be like Paul, but most of all, we long to be like Jesus. Help us, help us to do this with one another, to strengthen us. Use this little flock right here. Turn this city upside down for the gospel to make Christ known so he would be exalted and that you would draw all men to yourself. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.